0: Hello and welcome to Saving Lives in Slow Motion. Today, I'd like to talk about self-control. Now, this was suggested to me on social media, and I don't know whether this person wants to be named, so I'm going to keep her anonymous, but suffice to say that she struggles with this, and so do I, which is one of the reasons I... I'm really interested to cover it. Now, about a month ago, I did an episode called Monkey Brain on this podcast, and that covers a little bit about the difference between the adult, sort of grown-up thinking brain uh, that we have as humans, and our monkey brain, which we also have um, part of the brain called the limbic system. And I talk a bit about how monkeys uh, don't think. They're very impulsive. They go with emotions, and they tend to look for immediate satisfaction and rewards. And self-control is definitely linked to that in terms of what is going on uh, when you display a lack of self-control. Now, it's, it's an important thing because it affects so many things in our lives, relationships and health as well. And I am so jealous of people that can just, you know, turn on and off their ability to do certain things. You know, they say that they're going to stop smoking or they say that they're going to run 5k every day come rain or shine and they do it you know they stick to it but a lot of us find that difficult why is there anything beyond the monkey brain well the answer is yes and i want to just take a bit of a deeper dive uh looking at the why of the why how is it that Some of us can control ourselves easily and others really can't. So there are two groups of people that I can think of that do struggle with self-control because it's part and parcel of their makeup. So the first group I'm thinking of are people with ADHD. And apart from hyperactivity and inattention, one other feature is Poor impulse control. And that can sometimes translate into poor self-control. And, you know, what's actually happening if we think of a real life situation. So say you have someone who is neurotypical, as in their brain works in a typical fashion, if you like. Then when you have a stimulus, and that stimulus can be anything, let's just say, for example, it's that you are backed your car into a tree that you spent three hours planting earlier that day now that's pretty frustrating and our adult brain would look you know take that stimulus and then think using executive function you know this high level thinking just pause for a minute and then react whereas uh, someone for example, with ADHD might react much more quickly with their emotional brain. And part of this is to do with, again, as I mentioned on the monkey brain episode, dopamine. And I'm not saying for a minute that it's it's purely people with ADHD that would react like that because I know myself and many other people uh, would react emotionally as well. Um, but it's just that much harder. ...to exert self-control because of what's going on in terms of brain chemistry. Another group um, that spring to my mind are people who've had trauma in their early lives... ...and Dr Gabal Marte talks about the trauma-pain-addiction cycle. So there's some sort of traumatic event that leads to emotional pain... ...and then that leads to an addictive behaviour. It doesn't necessarily have to be substances like alcohol or drugs... It can be other behaviours, but that kind of pattern can also lead to difficulty in regulating emotions, especially when there's stress or especially when there is a stimulus like the one I just described. Now, when we talk about self-control, I'm using an example of um, temper, if you like, but it also covers things like self-control as in not giving in to temptation For example, many of us set New Year resolutions and then by week three or four, you know, it's all gone down the pan because we've given in to bad habits. And so there's something about habits and discipline and sticking to things that, again, some people seem to be able to do with relative ease and others just don't. I've many times in my life given in, in inverted commas, to... Uh, temptation, where, you know, I might be doing Stoptober or something like that. And then it would get to the, the day before the last day of the month and it would be someone's birthday or something like that. And I think, oh, you know what, I'm nearly made the month. I'll just have a glass of wine and it won't matter. And then I feel terrible that I let myself down, you know. So part of that kind of self-control where you're building habits is to make them easy. And we've talked about this before on other episodes, my ideal framework about controlling your environment. And for some people, it means creating rules and sticking to them. Still not easy. Definitely not for someone like myself. And again, it's about making it easy, making it difficult to do the wrong thing, if you like. The other thing is about yourself and being accountable to yourself. I mentioned in a previous episode, the story of a friend who's committed to going to the gym every day for a month. And that, you know, if you make a contract with yourself, that can be pretty powerful. I myself have let myself down in years gone by, even having done that, because I couldn't be bothered, you know. And it's taken me years to be able to um, be steadfast with myself and just almost um you know look from the outside and and you know be that guy that can do discipline and that can do uh, something if he puts his mind to it by sticking to it and i i don't think it's helpful to be hard on yourself i think you should be compassionate because as i've said before look at the world around us it's very difficult sometimes to control yourself especially the times that we're living through A lot of people are angry and anxious, and that means that that vibe rubs off on us. So it's not an easy world to exert self-control sometimes. Another great idea is something that tracks your progress. I I really wasn't a fan of these years ago, but I've seen the benefits. People will know that I'm a real fan of Couch to 5K, which is um, an NHS app, and it's so brilliant at just patting you on the back and also tracking your progress, getting you from zero to one to two and so forth, because that way you can look back and say well done to yourself. So I've been reading quite a lot about theories on self-discipline and building habits and the like, and just over the years in terms of the people that I've met and the level of neurodiversity that we have in society means that One intervention doesn't work for everyone. I think this is really key for all things to do with health, actually. There are some general principles that work, but you've got to work out what works for you. Sometimes just understanding your story will will help you. So what I was saying earlier on about trauma, pain, addiction, will resonate with some of you. I certainly have met people throughout my career who may struggle with something like alcohol addiction for example and then you know come to see me every year or two and say I've definitely stopped this time I'm I'm not going back to it doctor pandra you know and and then lo and behold they relapse and there's a reason for that it's not about blame this is not about that paternalistic view of, well, it's very simple, you've just got to stop drinking. No, it doesn't work like that. If it was that easy, then no one would struggle with self-control. So out of all the things I've read, um, I think a hybrid approach probably works best for most people. As I say, you've got to work out what works for you. And if I had to kind of come up with a manifesto for self-control, so for the things that you're tempted by, Use the technique of delayed gratification. So that's where you think, do you know what? If I wanted to, I could just walk into any shop, buy a massive chocolate cake and eat it anytime. but I'm not gonna do that because I can do it anytime. And And if I fancy it a bit later, I, I may do that, but I may choose not to. And that way you're sort of delaying doing something that you feel like you really want to do now it's a, it's a really great technique for stopping smoking, actually. You just think, well, actually I'll leave it an hour and if I fancy one then I might have one, but I might not. And what you'll find is actually by not having the immediate reward and just giving in to impulse, you feel really good about yourself. You think, actually I didn't need that cake or that cigarette. And you'll see links, by the way, in the show notes about all this, so don't worry about... Not going deep enough. So delay gratification is technique number one. And it works very simply because if you delay something enough, you can just delay it again and again and eventually remove the kind of assumption that we make in our brain that we really need it. And really the clever thing there for me is that I'm not denying myself anything. I'm just delaying it. I think saying no to yourself or someone else saying no can sometimes just make you want to do that thing more subconsciously. The second thing sounds a bit woolly but it's about awareness. What do I mean by that? Well I don't know about you but there are certain things that make me make bad decisions. For example if I'm sleep deprived or if I'm upset or in a bad mood that is when your self-control can wane. That's when your monkey brain comes to the fore and tries to hijack you into doing something that gives you immediate comfort because you're tired, because you're upset. And although it goes against what you want to do at the time, what you've got to do is, a, is is sort of understand that you're not in the right frame of mind to listen to your own internal snap decisions. You know, and that's where things go wrong, where you lose your temper or you do something that you regret. Now and again, the horse has bolted and you just can't help it. Um Fair enough, we're all human. But I guess this is all about minimising the number of times that happens. And the last thing I think that's important is just saying well done to yourself and being compassionate to yourself. So if you mess up, don't beat yourself up. That doesn't help. And if you do stick to something because you've implemented something, for instance, you've decided you're going to go for a run after work every day and you do it, every time you do it, You should metaphorically pat yourself on the back. Just say well done to yourself. I think that's so important because that makes you want to do it again. And that's how you implement your intention, if you like. You are much more likely to go for that run again the next night. Now, there are loads more tools for self-control. I've only covered a few of them. Um, And the reason I've picked that suite of things is just listening to patient stories, you know, real life cases. I'm going to leave you with one, actually, a lady who I'm going to call Angela from some years ago. What was interesting about her was she had pretty much mastered the art of delaying gratification with a lot of work and had really worked on this idea of self-awareness, understanding herself and what makes her make decisions. And that meant looking back at her life, you know, and certain decisions she'd made historically, and also what she does day to day. Like I was saying, if you're sleep deprived, you're not going to be in the best state. Bizarrely, one of the things that she was most proud of, not only had her health improved um, and her family life, but she had, for the first time, managed to save a significant amount of money. Because one of her weaknesses if you like was that she was very spendthrift and she was a a bit of a shopaholic in in her words and by not giving in to those impulses every time she was going to spend money she decided to put it away in another account and had built up some savings and she was just over the moon you know it's a very simple story but the kind of thing that we can all do and again just reinforcing that by saying well done to yourself I do also want to just add something about um, understanding yourself. Now, one of the things that's increasing in awareness is, is the existence of ADHD. And increasingly, we get a lot of adults coming to us asking for a diagnosis. I, I mention this because um, people with ADHD definitely are one of the groups that find self-control quite difficult. I may well cover ADHD on another episode in entirety, but whatever the root cause, and it's a mixture of environment, particularly in early life, and partly genes, even if you have a diagnosis of ADHD, some of the principles we've covered in this episode are likely to help. Now, something I've been fascinated with for several years is this Dutch concept of Nixon, which is doing nothing. So... In a lot of my lifestyle prescriptions that I write out for patients on a post-it note, I try and get them to do five minutes of nothing a day. Daydreaming, for example, which I used to do a lot at school. In a way, it's funny because people with ADHD often reported to do that when you look at school reports and the like. But also, on the flip side, what I'm saying, I guess, is that it's good to do that because it's being mindful And it just allows your brain to practice the art of stillness. And that can improve self-control as well. So there's a lot there. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. I hope that was helpful. Um, Thank you so much to the person who suggested it. As I say, I'm not going to name her because it was quite a personal message. Do let me know if you've got any topic ideas. And and hopefully next time we meet, you will have slightly better self-control. In the meantime, do take care. Stay well. Bye for now. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall.